Hello, everybody. Tony Giuliano, host of the No Code Podcast. Really excited to bring you Season 2, Episode 2 with Mary-Kate Williams, a superstar JLL broker down in the Wilmington, Delaware office. Mary-Kate is super positive, full of energy, a really great broker who's new in the business but has her legs under her pretty well already and is going to be a huge success down there. Uh, in our office with Blaze Fletcher, Jamie Vary, Nancy Cantwell, and Cindy Fleming. Um, Mary Kate talked about her path into commercial real estate, starting in property management, jumping over into brokerage, and uh, really learning the ropes and, and is off to a tremendous start. Uh, she's also really involved with some nonprofit ventures and giving back to the community, especially as it pertains to lifting up women. Uh, she works with the Servium Girls Academy. She works with Drew, which is the Delaware Commercial Real Estate Women uh, Network. Uh, and she also works with Ursuline Academy Alumni Association. Um, so enjoy the episode, and I'm sure you're going to love Mary-Kate. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the No Code Podcast. I've got a very special guest today from our nation's first state. That's gonna be the most important thing to remember throughout this podcast is that this person is from Delaware, lives in Delaware, grew up in Delaware, never leaves the state. Mary Kate Williams, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, hello, hello. Yeah, great to have you on today on this absolutely freezing cold Friday. Yeah, it's no joke freezing. I don't I don't know how people I don't know how people live in like actual cold states like, you know, the northeast. I just this is too cold for me, so. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um my dad, my stepmom, my little brother lived in northwest Indiana for 4 years, pretty much the whole time I was in college. And I went out to visit them one winter break. It was like mid-January, and the high one day was 6. Yeah. That's and I, I'm like, nah, I, I, I couldn't do it. it it's, yeah, no it's ridiculous. No thanks. Well, well by the time we release it, release this, it could be the midst of a snowstorm as well. I don't know. We'll this see. is coming out on Tuesday. Yeah. But um, anyway, thank you for joining. And um, for those of you that don't know Mary Kate, she is a broker in the JLL Wilmington, Delaware office. Um, she joined JLL back in 2017, I think. Yep. And, um, you know, started in the brokerage admin capacity, works with an awesome team down there with uh, one of my favorites, Blaze Fletcher, Jamie Vary, uh, Nancy Cantwell, and Cindy Fleming. And, uh, you know, awesome team we've got down there. Mary Kate is uh, the newest addition of the bunch, but it's been there a few years now. And, and uh, you know, you're kicking ass and taking names down there. I'm trying to every day. <laughs> So, uh, you know, a lot going on in your world right now. But before we get into all that, um, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in commercial real estate to start and then how you ultimately decided to get into the business and, you know, your track leading up to JLL? Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, it's I don't I sometimes wonder even how I got here, um, you know, grew up, like you said, I'm Wilmington, Delaware through and through. I've lived in Wilmington, I think 90% of my life with the exception of my uh, short stint at University of Delaware for four years. Um, but overall, I've lived in Wilmington, Delaware, you know, my entire life. So uh, born and raised, absolutely love it here. Um, you know, big, huge, awesome family. 
Um, and yeah, I actually went to college, thought I was going to do human resources, um, was super big on HR. My aunt is um, an HR professional and a huge influence in my life and really wanted to go that route because I saw how successful she was and I saw myself and her. Um, and I worked at Barclays uh, Bank uh, for three years throughout college. I had an internship with Barclays in the human resources realm. Absolutely loved it. Um, you know, really thought that was my future. That was where I was going to go and stay. And um, at the end of my time at UD slash my end of my time at Barclays, I was ready to kind of make a change, um, you know, kind of tired of the cubicle life. Barclays was amazing. You know, a great experience. Absolutely loved all the people there, the culture, the community. Um, and, you know, nothing but good things to say about that experience, but was ready for a change at the end of uh, my college experience. And my, my college landlord actually approached me. It was my roommate's dad. Um, he was my landlord and he was like, Hey, you know, you, I think you'd be good at real estate. You have a great personality, super outgoing, super approachable. Um, would you like to come work for me? And, you know, at the time I thought he owned like two or three apartment buildings. I had absolutely no clue what I was getting into. But I jumped into it. I just said, you know, screw it. What do you have to lose? You know, you're 22 years old and your student loans don't kick in for six months. Let's, let's figure this out. <laughs> let's ride um, this uh, ride this deferment out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. So I jumped right in. Um, I My first six months, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, I think every day I, I discovered a new building that he owned. Um, super small um, firm for Delaware, but, you know, massive portfolio for Newark, Delaware. He owned you know, 300 plus apartment units um, in and around Newark, all by the university. And he also owns a couple of commercial buildings. So when he hired me, he was like, hey, you know, you're going to run my commercial portfolio. No one's currently doing it. I'm currently, you know, managing it myself. You know, it's your baby, whatever you want to do, you know, take it, take it and run with it. So, you know, just, just dove in. And first six months, I was, I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't know what you know, an HVAC, HVAC system was, control systems. I didn't know anything. I didn't, I didn't know any vendors. I didn't, you know, I really had no clue. And I think every day I was like, you know, tempted to quit because I was like, this is insane. <laughs> but um, I promised myself I'd give it a year. And after a year, I kind of reevaluated and I was like, you know, I, I actually ended up loving it. He let me kind of take over the leasing side of the commercial properties as well. And I remember my first deal I did was like my first big deal I did was like 13,000 square feet. It was like a seven year deal. And I kind of got like that first taste of, you know, leasing and, you know, that that deal high, so to speak. Right, and right. I uh, I realized that I was tired of the property management and, you know, fixing toilets and all that. I was like, you know, this leasing stuff, there's something about this, right? Like this is fun. Um, so I think, you know, after three years of doing that, um, I think a week after that deal happened, Jamie Barry called me, who's on my team now. And he was like, Hey, you know, would you ever be a broker? Would you ever get your license and, you know, go, go into the sales side of this. And six months later, I think I was at JLL. Um, so yeah, so he's an effective recruiter though. He's great. He's He's great. that magnetic personality that Jamie. Yeah. Really yeah. I had toured a couple times guy. with him. Yeah. I only did. I mean, I was really just doing agency leasing at that time and I did, did a couple tours with him and um, he just called me and was like, you're, you're good at this, right? Like you, you are better than some of the brokers that I tour with. So, um, so I was like, what's a broker? Like I had, I had no <laughs> idea. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. And then six, I got my license and then uh, six months later I was at JLL and really just never looked back. You know, that's, that's really interesting. You know, we, we've known each other a while now, but 
yeah. we haven't really talked about, you know, this kind of thing. And a lot of what you said is super similar to how I got into the business too. Um, cool. You know, I started at KPMG and again, just like you with Barclays, like great place to start to learn about business in general and to be with an incredible company. And then after a couple of years of that, you, you kind of want to break out of that, that cubicle lifestyle. For me, it was, it was uh, working as an auditor and, sure. you know, great clients, great people, interesting stuff at times, but for the most part, it's kind of, it's, it's very heads down and, and, and you don't get a whole lot of, of human contact. And yeah. a lot of what you do is, is when you have to go kind of bother the client to ask them audit questions that they don't want to hear. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah and, and I took a few additional twists and turns before I found commercial real estate, but you know, you mentioned the deal high and I absolutely experienced that really quickly too. In my first role within JLL, which was on the corporate solutions side of the business. So I, I sat on a client site embedded with the client you know, as as the lead analyst on on all their transactions, but a lot of that work is is very much broker oriented work. You know, it's yeah. it's going through RFPs, it's being part of the negotiation process. It's you know, and 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 you realize that um, you know when you complete a deal, e even during the process of the deal, it, it it's it's for some people, I would imagine it's it's like a euphoric thing. Like it's just so it's so exciting and and to see the different twists and turns that are going to happen. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to put out fires and, and remanage, uh, you know, client expectations, but then when you're done, it's like, wow, you know, I, I feel like I, I did something here. You know, I, I, I didn't just show up for work and, and go home and clock out. Right. Right. Exactly. I feel like I right. really accomplished something. We got from a point A to a point B and, you know, everyone was at least partially satisfied. And, you know, in a good real estate transaction, no one is 100% satisfied because it's yeah. a, it's a negotiation. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally mimic that. Um, yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to like, we've talked about this before, you know, I'm an athlete, I played basketball and volleyball, you know, my entire life. And um, it, it gives you that, you know, satisfaction of winning something, right? Like, like I said, not, right. clock, not just clocking in, clocking out, you know, doing one day's work and, and shutting it off. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's definitely a grind. Right. And it's fun when you're winning. It's definitely fun. And it's, it's a roller coaster. Um, but I think it's the same thing with athletics, right? Like going into any, you know, basketball or volleyball game, it's a very similar feeling. Um, and you know, ultimately why I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And you played uh, club basketball at Delaware, right? I did. Yes, I did. I was a club nice. athlete. Um, and I recommend that for anyone. It was like, it was the best of both worlds. You still get to be super, super competitive and, you know, travel and go to other schools and, and play your sport, but still have that college experience. I have two sisters that played division one. My oldest sister played at James Madison and my younger sister um, played at university of Delaware. And um, you know, it's it, division one athletics is no joke. It's it's they, that was a grind that was, you know, their whole yeah. life. And I admire both of them, you know, a ton for the amount of time and effort that they put into their sport, but, uh, you know, club sports, I definitely got to enjoy the college experience, I think in a different way. Um, so I'm super grateful for that time. That's a great point. And, um, one of our other, uh, JLL friends, Mr. Kyle block, our analyst, uh, played club baseball down at Elon. And, you know, he told me a lot about his experience down there too. I think when I was in school, club sports were, they were around, but they weren't, I think kind of as prevalent as they are today. 
And, you know, I played, you know, varsity baseball my first year at Villanova and it is, it is a job. I mean, it was a grind and I knew I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player. So after that first year, I sort of looked at that and said, you know, I I don't think I really want to make this sacrifice anymore, but they didn't have a club baseball team. If they'd had one, I'd have been all over that. Cause uh, to your you point, would have been the president. You would have been, I bet yeah. you'd be the team. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and that, that would have been a lot of fun, but it was, there weren't too many of them back then. And yeah, um, that's, uh, that's probably a really cool experience. Yeah, and it was amazing. Uh, now, now I know I'm going to get, I'm going to get shit for, for what I just said, because um, uh, I've got a, a friend of mine that follows this podcast extensively. Uh, the guy's name is Sean Grieve. He played baseball down at William and Mary with my brother and uh, got drafted by the Phillies. And he also uh, spent a 45 minute phone call with me after my season one episodes to provide his feedback on the podcast. <laughs> Sounds like a great and, friend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was the only good yeah. feedback I got. My, my parents <laughs> didn't care. My, my, my brothers and my sister didn't give me 45 minute, minutes of feedback. Oh but, my gosh. But one thing he did text me on a group text with uh, him and my brother and another guy, Greg, is like, he's like, you flex baseball every single episode. <laughs> can't help it. You can't I'm help like, well, it. What do you want me to do? It's, right. you know, I, I could talk about commercial real estate the whole time, or we could talk about some sports, you know? Right. Yeah. What's, yeah, so, exactly. I'm with whatever, you. Sean. I know you're listening right <laughs> now. So that's what I think of you. Love it. Um, Shout out to yeah, Sean. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so you, uh, you know, so you come to JLL after a few years of the property management experience, which, which by the way, for people that don't really know the property management game, that is a, a wonderful area to learn the business because Absolutely. to your point, you're going to do every small thing to, up to negotiating, potentially negotiating leases for the owner landlord. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was clogging toilets. I was, you know, changing ceiling tiles, you name it. I've, I, I mean, we were a small company only had like two or three maintenance guys at a time. And, um, yeah, I've, I've learned a ton. It was like real estate crash course. Right. And you're learning the financials and you're learning the mechanics of yeah. transactions on top of, on top of the, uh, you know, the maintenance level work. So you're, uh, you're, you know, janitor up to deal maker. So there's yeah. a lot going on there, but, um, so then, you know, you talk to Jamie, you come over to JLL and initially you're in, you know, the brokerage administrator uh, position, which is, you know, a very good place. I would say that and analyst within JLL to make a jump into brokerage. So what was that transition like from you for you going from, you know, a, a property management role at a smaller company to, you know, a broker role? Um, in a fortune, uh, we're probably like fortune 400 company at that time. We're now a fortune 200 company. Um, what was that like? I would imagine there was probably some of it that was night and day, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always say like JLL, it was almost like a hybrid for me, right? I was at Barclays, which was crazy, crazy corporate, like, you know, tons of systems and technology in place. And then I go to Lang development, which was the property management company. And, you know, that was small, small. There was only like, you know, 15 employees, you know, it was very much, you know, sink or swim. We use pretty basic systems and, you know, very, very small, small shop. Um, and then I go to JLLs and it's definitely kind of the best of both worlds, right? Like I'm on a, a team of five of us. So I have that small, you know, team feel like I had at Lang. And then, you know, I also have the corporate backbone of JLL, you know, the technology and tools in place. So it was actually 
pretty seamless for me. I kind of got that best of both worlds. Um, and you know, again, like you said, you love Blaze and I, I'm surrounded by really amazing people on my team. Um, and they brought me, you know, right under their wing, right up to speed as quickly as possible. Um, and you know, I, it was amazing. I really did have a great experience, you know, right from the get go. I started, you know, it was like December 18th. And I think two weeks later was like the company getaway party. And I was like, Whoa, this is, this is great. Uh, like yeah. I came to the right place. It was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, I, I think my second day was like our team Christmas party. I'm like, this is great. Oh, uh, so wow. I started, I started at a perfect, perfect time. Um, yeah, then, yeah, you did. Yeah. And then right after the holidays, you know, the holiday slowdown finished up. We really, you know, January, February, we were launching some big listings on our team and it was, it was really sink or swim. And I was surrounded by a, a great support system. Uh, Suzanne Gillen, she was amazing, you know, helping me get up to speed from a BA perspective. And then my local team was awesome at bringing me up to speed on our listings and our clients. And um, yeah, I actually had a really great experience right from the get go with JLL. Yeah, you make a good point. And, you know, I, I said that JLL is a Fortune 200 company, but to be clear to everybody out there, you know, I, I think you're exactly right. It, it's it's kind of like a hybrid where, yes, it's a big company, but, um, you know, it's, it's a local markets focused company for the most part. So we've got all these great tools in place. And, and you said the backbone, which is like a perfect word for it, of a corporate structure that can kind of save us from having to do stuff that's that's a little too menial that distracts from our our, our main goal of generating new business and service servicing clients you know sure. absolutely so yeah yeah and then you know you hit the nail on the head with the uh the culture and our our winter retreat that we love to do every year which uh sadly you know would be about two weeks from now I know. if uh we were able to do it this year and uh we went down to Congress Hall in Cape May. I think it was, was it the last three years? Yeah, it's been all. Yeah, good. yeah, we did three. Yeah, <clears throat> before that we had gone to the Poconos. We had gone to Bear Creek in Allentown. So we had mixed it up a little bit, but it's where we get all of our JLL Philadelphia people together, as many as we can. Um, you know, can't quite bring every single person, but uh, typically it's around a hundred people. We go away for an overnight and it is work stuff during the day. You know, we have some meetings, we do some presentations, we talk about the year that that just went by and, and what's to come in, in that current year. Um, and then from about 2 p.m. on, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I'll leave it at Definitely. that. <laughs> a lot it's of anxiety. It's a lot of anxiety for me and just <gasps> making sure that people don't do anything silly and uh, <laughs> that everybody makes it through and and, uh, but no, it's, it's, it's a blast. I mean, we all, we're all professionals. We know how to, uh, we know where our limits are and what to do uh -huh. and not, not to do. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely, I've, I've been it's just kind of hit me in the last week or two. I've been thinking about like, okay, this is right around the time we'd be like doing final prep work and, you know, me and Chris Borkowski be sitting in a conference room talking about all the, the last minute things we need to do to get straight before the event. And, uh, yeah, not happening this year. It's a bummer. It's a major bummer. Yeah, and that's really our exposure to all the other offices and, you know, trade in notes and and stories and what do you got going on and it's it's a great opportunity especially for someone like myself from Delaware that, you know, doesn't doesn't get exposed to that, you know, the other offices as much as I would like to. So, it's a great opportunity just to even network within JLL. Um, so definitely appreciate all the work you guys put into those events. 
Oh, it's a ton of work. And I give all the credit to Christina Borkowski because uh, she does the majority of it. You know, me and Marone just uh, fly Show around high level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mike Marone, who's the, the market lead and and my boss, a real tyrant too. I mean, just <laughs> just a difficult guy to deal with. He's not uh, jovial or affable at all, you know. Does he listen okay. to this? Uh, no, he doesn't listen to that. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's funny. The other day, I'm, I, I came downstairs. It was last Friday after I just did my season two, episode one uh, show with Michael Bray, who's like a good buddy of mine. I came downstairs and I told my wife, Jamie, about it. I'm like, hey, I just did the podcast with Michael Bray. She's like, oh, that's awesome. And I was like, do you listen to them? And she's like, uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> and I'm that's like, a well, no. that's a no. how many have you listened to? She's like, uh, like two and a half. <laughs> and so I'm like, I thank, thank you for the support. She's like, well, it's you talking. I listen to you talk all the time. Right, all day. Why, right, why would I right. double up? You know? Right. I don't need any more. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, hey, no, at least Marone, she's honest. Yeah, she's honest. Marone, I, he listened to a couple early on. I don't think he's been following, but you know, when we prepare for these, uh, uh these events, you know, he'll come into the room and be like, yeah, why don't we go uh, get reservations at this place the night before? And we'll bring like uh, 15 people. It's like, uh, you know, Mike, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're already spending too much on this event. You want to do that too? Oh my but uh, you know, Chris finds a way and she gets it done. And oh, she's, incredible. Uh, she's amazing. So, uh, you know, especially through through this last year with COVID and, and prepping all the offices for, you know, initially with uh, shutting down and cleaning and reopening and unfortunately with uh, one of our offices shutting down again and then you know trying to come back i mean she's had a, a hell of a you know what is it 11 months at this point almost yeah so yeah but we'll bounce back you know what the the uh february 2022 retreat will just be i mean we might have to go to like hawaii or something <laughs> balls to the wall i love it <laughs> going all out i love exactly. it i'll be there yeah. Oh, I know you will. I know you will. Um, so, you know, you go through the brokerage admin position for three years ish and all the while you're, you're kind of naturally organically building something that is going to be a bridge to your, you know, your next step in the process. And as of January 1st of this year, you officially became a, uh, revenue producing broker. Um, for the Wilmington office. And why don't you just talk about, you know, how that came to be, what went into the decision and, and how did you build that bridge to make it, you know, something that is uh, a very feasible thing for you to jump into without having to take a, a big haircut in terms of earnings? Yeah, sure. I mean, coming to JLL, that was always my goal, right, right from the get go. I mean, I, I knew that's what I wanted. Um, but starting as a BA, you know, kind of was like my you know, toe dip into the pool of, of brokerage and, um, you know, not, not as risky as, as maybe, uh, just coming in as a broker would have been. Um, and so, yeah, it was always my goal and definitely something I was working towards, but I was definitely trying to be as calculated and, you know, smart about the official jump as smart as I could possibly be. Um, I initially wanted to make the jump into brokerage last year, um, but our office was actually moving locations and it was a ton going on, especially from an administrative perspective. So I was like, you know, I'll do it when we're done the move. And then 
you know, we finished the move and, and COVID hit, right? So yep. um, I don't know if that was a sign or it just wasn't meant to be <laughs> at that time. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe a, a blessing in disguise, who knows? Um, but I, I officially put that on pause, um, you know, just to, you know, again, be as calculated as possible. Um, but, you know, when the office opened back up in July and, you know, in my mind, I'm like ready to be a broker. I was like, all right, we, we got to get this going. You're ready. You know, you're like you said, I, I was starting to build a client base. I was starting to get more involved with some of our listings and starting to see some new tenant rep opportunities coming in and, you know, super, super eager. But uh, I think it just made the most sense to do a clean start January 1st. Um, and that ultimately made the most sense for for me and our team and uh, the transition process. So officially made the jump January 1st and um, definitely it's still a crazy time, right? COVID's not didn't disappear. Sure. So, yeah. so still, so still in the thick of it. But, um, but again, I think it gave me some time to be calculated, kind of, you know, prepare myself and, and also, you know, get our systems in place for the next person that would be taking over the admin role. Um, so I think the timing ended up being perfect. I, I, I mean, I'm 20, 29 days in and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Right. Like it's, it's great. And we're starting to really pick back up and more and more clients are starting to reach out and, you know, ask for help. And we're, we're starting to kind of, you know, slowly come out of this. So I think the timing is, is perfect. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities in this crazy chaos and especially coming out of this, um, you know, hoping to really start crushing it. And I think ultimately I have to believe in myself and, and, jump into the deep end for lack of a better term. And, um, and here I am, I'm, I'm really loving it and super blessed to have the support of an amazing team. Um, my office, you know, is incredible. We, the five of us really are a great team and work together very well and been, been super blessed, you know, this 29 days so far and excited for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, so while you're you know, talk about how you sort of built, uh, a pipeline or, or, you know, even some clients that you were able to source while you were still a brokerage admin that could be converted yeah. into opportunities when you became a broker. What, what did you go out and do in order to achieve that? Yeah, I'm, I mean, this past year was definitely tougher than usual, but I'm, I'm a major, I love networking. Like I'm a crazy networker. If there's an event, like I'm going, if I'm free, I'm there. Um, so that's definitely number one, just really, really building up you know, a network of people. Um, and Delaware is definitely a very unique place. Um, you know, we all say you either dated, hated, or related, you know, related to someone. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, and that's very true. Like Delaware is the kind of place where when you meet someone, you don't ask them, when you say, where'd you go to school? Like you're not referencing their college, right? You're referencing yeah. their high school. Everyone's judged right. by where they went to high school here. Um, so, you know, this past three years, I've definitely been building my network as much as possible. Um, you know, trying to stay as involved with as many organizations as I can really just get my name out there. Um, so that, you know, I had a decent amount of people who knew that I was licensed, knew that I was in the business or, you know, was working with Jamie on a couple of small projects and, you know, slowly starting to make more and more contacts through him or through blaze. And, um, you know, having that property management background helped me a ton. You know, a lot of those tenants that I got to know, um, in that process of, of, of doing property management, you know, I have, you know, great references and, you know, they've been a source for me as well, just as I've been growing and, you know, prospecting. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was a pretty natural thing for me, especially being a local Delawarean and, and having that, 
network of people, you know, just surrounding me and cheering me on as I, as I made the official jump. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And, and networking is just, it's so critical in so many different ways, whether you're a salesperson or, or not. And, yeah. you know, we have, a, as you know, we have a kind of a new support function within JLL called sales enablement. And I won't go into it too much because, uh, you know, we don't want to give away trade secrets, here, <laughs> right. but it's just another way to sort of enhance our, our marketing and pitch process and things like that. And we just got some reports back for you know 2020 within JLL Philly, and where did our most wins come from? And networking was number one by far. You know, Absolutely. it was of course like when you're a real estate salesperson, you have to cold call, you have to canvas, you have to hustle, you have to do all those things. But the most bang for your buck is going to be networking, and if you have those personal connections, and you can then you know, flip those into actionable business items. That's, that's really where most people are successful in terms of sourcing new business. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's challenging now for sure, but I've noticed that you've done a ton of different virtual events and things like that too. Yeah. In the last uh, couple months, I was just uh, creeping on your Twitter before this uh, <laughs> podcast. And I'm like, wow, yeah. she posts a lot about uh, this virtual event, that virtual event. And, you know, we're all, we all have zoom fatigue at this point. Hundred percent. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's it's you know you put your time in, you do these things, and you're in the comfort of your home, and you can sit there and and have a coffee or a a cocktail or whatever whatever you enjoy as you're sitting uh, behind your computer and connecting with people and meeting new people. It's it's something you got to do right now. Yeah, there's no other option. Yeah, it's it's definitely challenging, and like you said, Zoom fatigue is definitely real. But, you know, it's better than the alternative of, of just sitting around. So, um, yeah, I actually was on a virtual event last night. My alumni association, we did a virtual wine tasting. And that's by far oh. my favorite favorite virtual event so far. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm uh, in the final days of dry January. So I look forward to wine again soon. I made an exception last night. And that was my first uh -huh. exception. I was dry January as well up until last night. Yeah, well, let me put this to you because because I I'm I'm debating this in my own mind. I I need some help. Um, it, you know, today's Friday. It's been a long week. I my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were like I literally barely had a gap in the day at all. Right. Yeah. So, yet last night I was like uh, I could really actually use a glass of wine or an old fashioned little Maker's Mark old fashioned something like that. After I complete this podcast, I mean, it's the end of the week. It's over. Right, and, right. you know, what do you think? I mean, should I do it? I, I'm, I, think, I, I think I'm the worst person to ask because I literally gave in last night. So, <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I would be a hypocrite to tell you not to. Yeah. So I, I say good. I know. I know. This it's has like, been a crazy month. This has been nuts. It has been. And, and yeah. actually, I didn't, I didn't start dry January till Sunday, January 3rd. So. Same. I feel like, you know, if I started late, I might as well finish and early. early. <laughs> I mean, you know, what the hell? I say go for it. I say go for it. It's a Friday. And it's freezing. I think I'm going to do it. It's a, yeah, it's a Friday and the and it feels like 10 degrees. Absolutely. I, I, I need to keep my body warm somehow. Absolutely. I say go for uh, it. All right. I'm going to do it. Done. Done deal. I'm about it. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? It doesn't take much for me. It doesn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. 
So, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about too is, is that you are embarking on this journey as a female in what is a, a very male dominated industry um, in a lot of different ways. Uh, definitely brokers, uh, definitely real estate owners. Um, you know, I think JLL has done a good job in the last several years of, you know, building in more diversity into our um, employee base and our recruiting process and all that stuff. But but in the world of brokerage, it, it really kind of has not advanced as much as we would like uh, with women or people of color. And, you know, I guess kind of unusually, the Delaware office here is three fifths female. Um, yes, we are. Yeah. So you guys are, are representing down there. I think I think we only have seven total female brokers for the whole JLL Philadelphia region. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a huge area. Um, where we're focusing this year as much as ever to kind of build on that. But, but what has that been like for you? And has there been anything along the way where you sort of looked at that and, and were hesitant about jumping in as a female, or did it kind of make you that much more determined to go in and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to show people what I can do here. Yeah, I would say definitely the latter. I, it, it, it fuels me. It definitely drives me. Um, I went to an all girl, um, high school, I, I transferred in at sixth grade. Um, so, you know, was surrounded by women, you know, for the bulk of my adolescent years. And, you know, that instilled a, an incredible confidence in me. I definitely had some amazing, you know, teachers at Ursuline that really, you know, push you to think outside the box and, you know, chase whatever dream it may be. And, you know, I think, being surrounded by men, you know, most of the time, uh, definitely fuels me. It's a challenge for me. I, I actually like feed off of that. I think I've, I mean, right. I've been a broker, I've been a broker events in Delaware where I'm, I mean, there's 30, 40 people at the event and I'm the only woman. Um, wow. and you know, that's, that's wild, right? Like that's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I love it. It's fun. It's like, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. I like challenging the status quo and, and being different and standing out. I'm, I'm a five foot 10 redhead. So you know, that's kind of, there's nothing I can do about standing out. So you nope, might as well take nope. it to the next level. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I love it. it. It fuels me for sure. Yeah. Now that, that, I think that's an awesome way to approach it. An awesome way to look at it. It's, it's, I'm sure it's definitely challenging at the same time though. I mean, it's yeah. been in this business a long time and, and it's, uh, I, I think it's definitely evolved over the years and, and gotten better, but it still has a long way to go compared to a lot of other industries, I think. So, Absolutely. yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm happy to be on, um, uh, a DNI, uh, panel or not panel, a, a DNI council, uh, diversity and inclusion council for, uh, the mid Atlantic region, um, with a few other, my peers in the, uh, DC area, Florida, kind of up and down the, the East coast. And, um, you know, we're, we're, meeting on a regular basis to try to find ways to, you know, better build a pipeline of diverse candidates for, for jobs. Cause I think that's, that's kind of the hardest part, you know, we'll put a job posting out there and because of the makeup of the industry and kind of the inside nature of, of, you know, white males who have been in the business business for a really long time, you know, we just don't get the applications that we would like to get for these kind right. of roles. So right. we have to go out and find the candidates. We have to, we can't just sit back and throw up our hands and say, oh, you know, they're just not there. We tried. Right, you know, we right. have to go foster recruit relationships, them. recruit them, 
work with local universities, work with nonprofits. And we found a few of those. And, you know, I think it's exciting um, to be part of this in a larger in a larger way as being on this this council for the East region, that it's not just Philadelphia that I'm going to focus on. It's like, how do we how do we build this up for a a very large uh, portion of the JLL uh, country, you know, from from Boston down to Miami? So hopefully some good comes of it. Um, I mean, so far, a couple good meetings and some action items and and we're going to keep pushing forward. That's great. Love to hear that. Yep. Yep. It's uh, somewhat of an uphill battle, but but we got to do it. I mean, number one, it's the right thing to do. But also there's an awful lot of science behind diverse pitch teams winning more business than homogenous ones. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I, I think even just me joining my team, right? Like I just bring a total different perspective, right? I grew up with a cell. I mean, I got a cell phone in sixth grade. So, you know, my, the way I think, and, you know, my, I'm super passionate about social media and technology, whereas, you know, some of these brokers that have been in the business, you know, longer than I've been alive might not be as willing to adapt to, you know, some of these changes that are, that are happening in our industry. Um, So I think, you know, not having diverse, you know, people in the industry is, is going to do everyone a disservice. Um, So it's almost like it's, it's vital at this point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and that the diversity in whether it's ethnicity or or gender or whatever it may be, that that is actually what breeds diverse ideas. And absolutely. I think that's what people kind of miss sometimes if you know, if they're tired of hearing about diversity, it's just kind of getting drilled into them on a regular basis, but it's what it breeds helps breed creativity. And there's real science behind that and it, it's 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 just something that we all have to kind of continue to push forward on. Right. Um, absolutely. You, you mentioned social media. I definitely want to talk about that a little bit because we had, a, we had an interesting conversation uh, last week and then, uh, and then earlier uh, this week when uh, you know, it's, it's something that is, is definitely making a big mark in the commercial real estate business right now. And there seems to be a really wide gap. Um, maybe not just based on age, but just like, people that use it versus people that don't and maybe are, are, are kind of afraid of it. And you're somebody that is really adopting it. So why, yes. why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's an incredible tool. Um, it again, has helped to foster these relationships for me, especially in these COVID days where I can't go grab a cup of coffee with someone, but you know, I can cheer them on on LinkedIn and just like their posts or comment on their posts and just stay engaged and interact with people. Um, it's, it's been an incredible tool. And again, I got, so I got my first phone in seventh grade. So I've had social media, you know, forever. I don't, I don't even remember a time that I didn't have some form of social media. So it's so natural for me to communicate and keep up with people, whether it be Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, I'm slowly getting into the TikTok game. Um, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's, I think, you know, it's, it's just another touch point just to stay top of mind and, and you know, even if it's someone I'm never going to do a deal with, it's it's just cheering people on and, and supporting, you know, their hustles and, and their careers and and being, you know, a supportive person, just just, you know, being on social media with them. So yeah. I've I've looked at it as a tool. I've looked at it as a great way to promote some of our listings or some of the, you know, cool things happening in Delaware. I'm a huge champion for Delaware, especially the city of Wilmington. I love posting about new restaurants or 
you know, new concepts coming to the city or businesses moving and relocating. I just, I love, I love just being a cheerleader for Delaware and, and Wilmington and social media is just such an easy platform to do that. Yeah. And, and you make a good point too, about the, the selfless nature of it sometimes. I mean, yeah. we all see the people out there that on social media that are just constantly self-promoting and yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you see that and you're just like, okay, your life's not actually that good. Don't right. lie to us about the, uh, you know, the argument you had with your significant other last night when you, <laughs> when you post a picture of the two of you, right. you know, romantically uh, sitting over a, a plate of uh, incredible Wine food at your favorite yeah. restaurant. Like, come on, you know, like, right. let's be real here. But yeah. when you use social media to promote other people, to me, and, and then you're like indirectly promoting yourself, but you're not 100%. doing it disingenuously. You're doing it like because you're trying to bump somebody else up. And right. if that gives you some kind of residual, you know, promotion of yourself like that, that seems better to me than running out there and, and posting about yourself every five seconds. I mean, Absolutely. I just did a post before this podcast where I tagged you and I talked about, you know, we we're going to sit down and, and chat. and there's still a level of discomfort for me in, in doing that just because, you know, I, I I've done this podcast and I, I feel like I'm putting myself out there on display, which is not my default, but at the same time, it feels more comfortable because I'm bringing somebody else in. I want to promote you. I want to promote the other guests I have on here. And that, that feels a little more in my zone than just like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and do a solo podcast and talk for <laughs> half an hour about my right. amazing thoughts on the world. Like nobody cares right. about that. <laughs> yeah. That makes it just more genuine, right? Like you're yeah. doing it. You have a good purpose behind it, not just, you know, a way to talk to yourself all day. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, I don't know if you've ever heard this, at, I hear this a lot at whether it's like a panel or, or just some kind of event you go to about like, what's your personal brand? Sure. And for me, I, I've, I've always hated that question because it sounds so manufactured but it, it it is you can develop a genuine brand using social media in the in the right way you know and and yes. and not doing it in a completely selfish manner and to me that's kind of like what i'm interested in these days is like how do i do that without overthinking it without being fake about it and i don't know it, it's a hard thing and it's a, something that i never thought i'd have to think about but right I think you kind of do. Yeah. And it's changing times. I mean, especially right now, I think a lot of what my, you know, quote unquote brand is, um, I've been, I've been really passionate, passionate about some of these restaurants that are really struggling right now. And yeah, even yeah. if it's just, Hey, like I stopped at this coffee shop, I'm, I'm going to take a picture of my coffee and bagel and post it. And I would say, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm getting, you know, five to 10 messages from people like, where's that from? Oh my gosh, I got to stop and try that. I've never heard of this place. Like, you know, and and yeah, maybe it's self-serving, right? I'm promoting myself and I'm, I'm coming up on people's timelines, but I also, you know, want to help out some of these businesses that are really struggling right now. And if my, you know, stupid Instagram story post gets, <laughs> you know, 600 views and that's going to help them get, you know, two, three extra sales, then like, so be it. And, um, yeah, you know, yeah, no, I, that's, a, that's a, that's a great point. And yeah. especially right now in the, in the restaurant scene. I mean, my, my heart goes out to everybody out there. I know a lot of people in that space and, uh, it, it's, it's a grind right now. It's, it's good that I think, you know, it's come back to some level in terms of, you know, some safe indoor dining where you can, 
you know, get the right density and stuff like that. And and a lot of these businesses have increased their takeout. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the, what Barstool Sports have done with, amazing. with their fund. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. Absolutely incredible. I mean, Dave Portnoy, what he, he did with that is, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, so it's good to see them getting help in, in some ways, but the whole restaurant model is just based on how how much can I pack my place and how many times can I turn over these tables and just not in that environment right now. So yeah, to anybody listening out there, if you're in doubt tonight, whether you want to cook food at home or get takeout, get takeout. Yep. You know? That's been my motto. That's been my excuse like the last 11 yeah. months. So, so I've been doing yeah. a lot of takeout. Yeah. I mean, and leave a tip as if you're eating in the place too. hundred percent. I mean, yes. that, that's what I've been doing as much and as I post can. on your social media, right? Like the, the exactly. time and effort it takes me to post a story is literally less than 10 seconds. It's so effortless to me. It's almost like breathing at this point. And like right. that extra 10 seconds, you know, might help them out with one or two extra sales. And and for me, I think it's worth the 10 seconds. Our takeout last night was Cielito Lindo in Medford, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. Delicious. Delicious Mexican place. Just fantastic. Love yeah. Love that. A little tacos al pastor. Oh, and I got the carnitas tacos too. So, yeah. Delicious. <laughs> so um, I also wanted to talk about um, a lot of your nonprofit work you're, you've been doing over the years. I think that is really commendable that you've gotten involved in that, especially at a younger age. I mean, I've gotten a lot involved in, in a lot of stuff and probably the last three to five years, but you've seemed like it, you had that mentality, you know, coming right out of school that you want to make sure you give back to people and help as much as you can. So why don't you talk about a couple of causes you're involved in? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, you know, there were, I, you know, I come from a very, you know, middle-class family. We're all very, very hard workers. And there's been some amazing people in my life that have helped pull me up and have supported me and cheered me on. And, um, you know, giving back has always been super, super important to me. Um, so, so yeah, I would say the one, um, the one group I'm involved with is serve young girls Academy. I would say that's probably the one I'm most passionate about. I'm on the, um, planning committee for their annual fundraiser called evening under the stars. Uh, so we're actually planning that event right now. And, um, serve a tuition free middle school for young girls in the community uh, that might be, you know, have limited resources, so completely free. And um, they actually just moved into the city of Wilmington. They were just in the outskirts previously, but they just moved to the city. So way closer to me now, which I've been, I love. The girls are amazing. The school is incredible. Everyone there, it's just, you know, it's it's just, you serve so much of a bigger purpose when you're at the school or involved with the school. And there's just such a bigger mission than, you know, just raising money. It's like, you know, you're changing these girls' lives. I think it's like a hundred percent of the girls have gone on to college at this point. And, you know, you're really changing the course of, of these young girls' lives. Uh, so that's one I'm extremely passionate about. Our big event is in May. Uh, we're trying to kind of coordinate an in-person slash virtual slash social distance right, event. Right. It's, it's a huge challenge. Uh, but, you know, our committee is amazing. And I think we're ultimately up for it. We, we pivoted last year to a virtual event and we actually raised more money at the virtual event than the in-person event has ever raised. And I was the oh, MC of the I was the MC of the virtual event, and it was it was amazing. And it was like I think it was in March, and it was like right when COVID hit, we had to we had to pivot. And I think it was really the first virtual event a lot of people attended. Uh, so, you know, huge shout out to them and everyone at the school that's doing amazing things. Um, and then on the flip side, I'm also the president of my alumni association, 
so again, I went to Ursuline, all, all girls school. Uh, so, you know, you can hear, I'm, I'm very passionate about helping young women. Uh, you know, Serviam's all girls, Ursuline's all girls. They're both rooted in the spirit of Serviam tradition and, and the Ursuline sisters. Uh, so super passionate about Ursuline as well and giving back to the school. Again, had amazing teachers at Ursuline, amazing classmates, tons of opportunities, you know, the athletics and, and, you know, I got into every school I applied to. So, um, you know, Ursuline's 100% changed my life and, and I'm, I'm not where I am today without that school. Uh, so I'm really big on giving back to Ursuline. Um, so currently I'm, I'm involved with the alumni association. I've also coached sports, middle school volleyball, um, with Ursuline as well. So super passionate about UA. And then the last group I'm really involved with is, um, is Delaware real estate women, which is again, women oriented. I'm, there you I'm, go. Um, I'm on the board of Delaware real estate women, uh, specifically commercial real estate women. It's just really a group of, of women that support each other and lift each other up. Most of our events are you know, social or, you know, some, sometimes educational, but, uh, it's really just a group of really strong, powerful women in the commercial real estate industry in Delaware, uh, supporting one another. I'm currently working on three deals with women in, in the organization. I think one oh, is, nice. doing, yeah, one's doing the survey for me. One is doing the wiring, the IT group, the, the IT work for one of my clients. And then, uh, Joy Barra, she's the president of Drew. She's actually the attorney on one of my deals. So, you know, that's been a game changer for me. Just, just having, you know, days, like you said, it's a very male dominated industry. Some days it's def are definitely tougher than others. And having that network of women that I can call and they'll pick up on the first ring and, and give me advice. And nine times out of 10, they've been in a situation before or something similar. And, you know, whether they're just cheering me on or they're giving me full blown advice, that's, that group has, has been incredible to me. And, you know, Again, I'm not I'm not where I am right now with, without some of those women. So super blessed to be involved in all three of those organizations. Yeah, that's great. It, it, it's great to put all that effort into it, and then also, you know, yield something back from it too. And yeah. and that's a lot of what these groups are about is 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 lifting each other up. And again, going back to that concept of you know you're being selfless, but your selflessness can get you something in return as well. And you know, it just kind of generally lifts everybody up. And that's, uh, that's a great thing for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. Mary Kate, <laughs> I don't have anything else for you today. I think, uh, I think you crushed it here. How and, I do? Uh, you did great. You did great. I was happy to have you and, you know, we'll, we'll put this out, uh, next week and then we'll also dig up your other podcast that you mentioned that you were no. on years ago and we'll <laughs> re-release that. Maybe I'll just remix it and edit it for you because I know you weren't you weren't as happy with it as as you would have liked it. I was. It was just you know it was I was new. I was nervous and uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's all good learning no, experience. But, but uh, uh, in all seriousness, thank you so much. I'm super proud of everything you've done at JLL. Can't wait to see you out there. Um, you know, in the brokerage world, kicking ass and taking names like you already are doing. And I know there's more of it down the line for you. And uh, I promise to come down to Delaware as soon as I can and see the whole good. crew. Good, good. We'll head to Dover Downs. I got to try the sugar factory. That's right. Shout out <laughs> to Paul Giuliano, Dover Downs, Sugar Factory, Valley's yeah. Corporation. No, it was, an honor. it was an honor to be here. I really appreciate you asking me to jump on and uh, love the podcast, love what you're doing. I love the entrepreneur spirit behind it. I, I'm you know, super proud of you too. So thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to season two, episode two of the No Code Podcast. We will see you next time. Take care. Have a great week. Thank you.